power of visitation. Hear the Spirit call. Welcome to another podcast of Dr. Leslie Bakupon. Be blessed as you listen. Indeed, you are the God of miracles. You are the God of signs. You are the God of wonders. And Lord, we ask that you will do it again. It's said in the book of Habakkuk, that Lord, we have heard of your faith. We have heard of the great things you have done. We have heard of your many wonders. But Lord, renew them in our day. Renew them in our life. Renew them in our families. Lord, we give you glory for your word that is about to come forth. I pray in the name of Jesus that it will transform somebody's life. It will bring illumination into somebody's life. It will bring hope into the heart of the hopeless. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we put our hands together for the Lord? Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. We bless God for this morning and for our second service, the latter rain service. Amen. All right. How many of you are ready for the word? If you are ready for the word. All right. During the first service, I preached on a subject. And I'm picking up the same subject again. But there will be other dimensions to it. Hallelujah. Aha, there'll be other dimensions. Before you know it, it will turn into a prayer meeting at a point. Aha, so uh, those who are here for the first, I don't think will pass. It, it may twist at a certain point in time. Amen. Aha, the Bible says in the house of the Lord there is a liberty. We give the Holy Spirit the liberty to do what He wants to do. Amen. Wow. So, during the first service, I preached on the subject of the Bible and medicine. The Bible and medicine. And uh, I laid a few facts. I believe this subject is important in these times uh, where we have a pandemic and a vaccine has been rolled out and people have their own ideas and their own theories about some of these things. And so it's important for me as your pastor to put certain things in perspective for you. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. Yes, it's important for me to put certain things into perspective for you. So we're going to look at generally the subject of the Bible and medicine. The Bible and medicine. I'll go into certain dimensions I didn't go into in the first service. All right? I'll enter certain areas of the subject that I didn't enter in the first service. Basically, what I sought to do in the early rain service was to establish the fact that medicine and faith are not mutually exclusive. When we say something is mutually exclusive, we are talking about two things that cannot mix. Alright? So, medicine and faith can mix. There are those who have this view that if you have faith, then why are you taking medicine? If you have faith, then why are you taking a vaccine? Just believe hallelujah but from the bible from the word of god it is clear that god is not against medicine at all amen especially preventive medicine god is not against it at all 
as I'll show you from certain portions of scripture, and at a point I'll enter into some New Testament dimensions of things where you know God dealing with sickness and all of those things are concerned. Now, Israel, the nation of Israel was a theocracy. When we talk about the theocracy, we are talking about a form of government where it is God Himself who leads the people. So God Himself was the president of Israel. He was responsible for drawing the policies that were supposed to guide the nation of Israel and it came in the form of the laws. I mentioned in the first service that a lot of the laws that God gave the people of Israel were actually public health laws. A lot of the rules that he gave unto them were public health rules and they were meant to keep the people and to preserve them and to prevent them from dying before their time. You were dealing with about 1.5 million people in one camp. And infectious diseases are not new. There are bacteria that have been there from the time of Adam. They are still there. Staphylococcus, we discovered them not long ago, but they have always been there. Uh, the various viruses, they've always been there. Hallelujah. It's Corona that we are not sure that somebody created it or always been there but at least the family of coronaviruses has been there for a while it's the COVID-19 that uh, we just discovered but these things have been there these things have been there and can you imagine a group of 1.5 million people and I try to make you picture what 1.5 million people will be if you look at the crowd that turns up for fire rally it's just under 2,000 people if you are talking 1.5 million people, we are talking about 7,500 of that kind of crowd in the same place. If one sickness enters the camp, you can have 100,000 people dying within a short time. And take note of the fact that those days, medicine had not advanced. We didn't know the germ theory. There were no microscopes for anybody to go and look under and see that it is a malaria parasite that is causing the fever. Or it is a virus. We didn't have antibody tests and all of that. These are things that came not too long ago. And life expectancy, when it came to so the prognosis of sicknesses, was very bad in those days. Common infections that we can treat now were killing people because there were no antibiotics in those days. So God had to put rules to ensure that these people were not going to catch certain kinds of diseases. It was going to be a disaster in the wilderness hallelujah so as part of the laws and the rules that he gave them he put in public health laws public health rules he gave them strict rules as to how to dispose of refuse he gave them strict rules on how to dispose human waste it is clearly stated in the bible that they were supposed to dispose of human waste outside the camp why because we know there are diseases that are transmitted as we say in medicine um fico orally all right cholera and uh, enteric fever and all of those things so you needed to keep the human waste far away because flies would transmit all kinds of diseases and with so many people being crowded in the same place the likelihood of having mass deaths was very high hallelujah and so God's laws were public health laws. They were preventive medicine 
law so god is not against medicine at all and let me show you some of the public health um measures that were put in place in those days let's read leviticus chapter 13 verse 45 it was a law for those who were suffering from leprosy from medicine we know leprosy is transmitted through droplets it's, it's a droplet thing and just like covid 19 through droplets all right and this is the rule he gave give me the nlt for this one give me nlt for this one he said those who suffer from serious skin disease must tear their clothing and leave their hair uncombed they must cover let's read the last part together they must cover their mouth and call out unclean unclean let's look at how the king james puts it or maybe let's go to new king james rather and see how it puts it he said now the leper on whom the sore is his clothes shall be torn and his head bare and he shall cover his mustache and cry unclean unclean let's see how king james itself puts it king james they said and the leper in whom the plague is his clothes shall be rent and his head bare and he shall put a covering upon his upper lip and shall cry unclean unclean let's see how niv2 puts it <laughs> let's see how the version says. it said the person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes and let his hair be unkempt cover the lower part of his face everybody say the lower part of his face the lower part of his face that's like from nose down right so no be face mask that <laughs> all because god in his wisdom knew even though the people didn't know about the bacterial theory and the, you know all those things god knew that the leprosy was caused by bacteria and it could be transmitted through droplet infections so he gave them this public health rule that if you have leprosy wear a face mask basically that is what he was saying all right so god believes in preventive medicine god believes in public health let's look at leviticus chapter 15 verse 13 leviticus chapter 15 verse 13 leviticus 15:13. give me the new king james for that one he said and when he who has a discharge is cleansed that means somebody who had maybe a boil something that discharged all right something that that resulted in a discharge unclean fluid coming out of the person is cleansed of his discharge then he shall count for himself seven days for his cleansing wash his clothes and bathe his body in what running water running water not water in a basin so that is what we are practicing right now with the veronica buckets running water washing your hand in running water in the morning i was telling them can you imagine if with all this COVID thing yes they said we should wash hands but we're all washing our hands in basins the basins will rather be a collection for the virus you come and take some and take to your house more or less but you see even then when they didn't know the germ theory they didn't know about viruses and all god who knows everything knew about these things and gave them specific instructions that the clothes when when something has been contaminated it must be washed with what running water and these are all important public health things i'm just gradually trying to prove to you that god is not against medicine at all amen in numbers chapter 19 verse 11 
something is said about handling the dead why was handling the dead very important most people died and people couldn't tell what killed them they couldn't give a particular diagnosis they'll say oh the person was hot the person had a fever and the person died but it could have been a very infectious disease that killed the person it could have been a cancer it could have been something that just manifested as a fever say oh the person lost weight couldn't eat and the person died most of the time that's what they say even now in the remote areas that's what they say oh baby you're known to me that is it but if you had the facilities you'd be able to carry out certain investigations and see exactly what killed the person and so a lot of people who died they couldn't tell what killed them so it was important to know how to handle dead bodies in order to prevent other people from getting infected by what may have killed them so god put in the rule he said he who touches the dead body of anyone shall be unclean seven days when they say unclean seven days it means don't come out be on your own it's after seven days that you can be released to mingle with mankind because they didn't know what killed the person you've gone to touch you may have contaminated yourself with whatever killed the person and as you interact with people you'll be spreading it and very soon the thing will become an epidemic in the camp of the people of israel so preventive measures had to be put to ensure that people didn't die hallelujah now let's read numbers chapter 31 19 to 24 where something like sterilization is brought to the fore sterilization sterilization is when you use heat or chemicals to try and kill pathogens on materials on things to prevent those things from being uh, roots of transfer of those pathogens he said he who touches he said as for you remain outside the camp seven days whoever has killed any person so this is when they've gone to war and come back so war in those days was a very close contact thing it's not known that you can stand afar and program a bomb to kill your enemies you had to be there with them man to man sword to sword and so there was a lot of interaction where body fluids and things touched people sweat um blood because somebody will have a cut and you are wrestling with the person definitely some of the blood will touch you and all of those things they were fighting in very close contact so god had to put in a rule to ensure that they don't bring any sicknesses from among the people they went to fight because you're not with them you don't know what is going on amongst them you don't know what they are eating you don't know what they are doing and you've gone to interact with them at a very close level with the exchange or, or, or possibly yes body fluids moving from one person to the other because of the close nature of the combat because those days for you to be killed they'll have to spear you or they'll have to cut your neck with a sword or something and blood was all over the place people's shields were contaminated with blood and even the what do you call it the plunder the things the booty they took after they had beaten the people could be contaminated with all sorts of things so he said as for you remain outside the camp that is those who went and fought whoever has killed any person and whoever has touched any slain slain means dead must purify yourselves and your captives that means even the people you captured the people you brought from the war because they are coming from another camp you don't know what sicknesses they are carrying you don't know what infections they are carrying so carry you and your captives on the third day you must purify your captive too on the third day and on the seventh day that means clean all of them make sure everybody is clean don't come into the camp yet 
verse 20. It says, purify every garment. That means all your war uniforms, all your armor. Everything must be purified. Everything must be clean. Because all sorts of people's blood has touched it. All sorts of body fluids have touched it. You don't know what somebody is carrying. Purify every garment. Everything made of leather. Everything of woven of goat's hair. Because these things can actually ab- absorb a lot of fluids. Alright? It can absorb a lot of fluids. And everything made of wood. 21. He said, Then Eleazar the priest said to the men of war who had gone to the battle, This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord commanded Moses. And what is this ordinance? Verse 22. He says, Only the gold, the silver, the bronze, the iron, the tin, and the lead. Verse 23. Everything that can endure fire, you shall put through the fire. And this is sterilization. Everything that can withstand fire, put it through the fire. Put it through the fire. Kill the bacteria. Kill the viruses. Fungi. Whatever is on it. Kill it. Before you bring it back into the camp. Hallelujah. These pathogens can't stand heat at a certain level. So it wasn't spiritual cleansing they were doing now. It was medical, biomedical, microbiological cleansing. That was what they were doing. It's anything that can stand the fire. It shall be put through the fire. And it shall be clean. And it shall be purified with the water of purification. So two levels of sterilization now. You purify it with fire. And then you sterilize it again. By cleaning it with water. Whether it's hot water or water mixed with something. It is cleaned with water. Hallelujah. He said, but all that cannot endure fire. So there are certain things that cannot endure fire. So what do you do with those ones? You shall put through water. Hallelujah. So sterilization. Ensuring that everything was clean before being brought into the camp. To ensure that no pathogens, no diseases were carried from the camp of the enemies into their camp. And then verse 24. He said, And you shall wash your clothes on the seventh day and be clean, and afterwards you may come into the camp. So it's not like you finish the war, no, hey, heroes marching, we are coming to collect all the funds. There was a protocol for you to cleanse yourselves, cleanse the captives, cleanse your weapons, cleanse even the things you have captured, the, the material goods that you have captured from your enemies before bringing them into the camp. Hallelujah. Now, to show you that God is not against taking medicine, let's read Ezekiel chapter 47, verse 12. Ezekiel 47, verse 12. Ezekiel 47, verse 12. A lot of medicines that we take are actually from plants. The pharmaceutical companies have devised means of extracting the active ingredient, the active thing that we need for medicinal purposes out of the plants. And they've made them into tablets and syrups and stuff like that injections how many of you like injections here you like injections eh. <laughs> i know some people they fear injections so somebody must hold them like <laughs> before he said along the bank of the river on the side and that will grow all kinds of trees used for food their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail they will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for what? Medicine. So God is not against medicine at all. 
he put those active ingredients in those leaves and those barks of those trees and things like that it wasn't the devil who put it there it was god who created them and put them and it was actually god who gave people wisdom to know that this particular thing when you take it for this particular condition this is what you think the devil will give people wisdom for healing he wants you sick he wants you debilitated he wants you not to be able to work he wants you not to be able to 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 worship god so he won't give anybody wisdom that will result in healing hallelujah yeah so that wisdom must have come from god for people to know how did people know that oh when you take the back of this tree and you do this this, 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 and you extract it it's able to do so so and so and so so those days it was herbs they were using they didn't have tablets like we do now i mean I'm, i'm not against herbal medicine they work so long as enough research has been done on it you see the advantage orthodox medicine has over herbal medicine is that orthodox medicine has gone through a lot of stages and a lot of research and so when you take the inner leaflet of any drug it will give you side effects it will give you contraindications that is if you have this condition don't take it it will give you drug interactions so if you're on this medicine don't take it because it will potentiate its effect and you have an exaggerated effect of this particular drug if you're on a drug like warfarin for example they'll tell you don't eat green leafy things because it will take your INR up they'll tell you don't eat citrus fruits oranges stuff like that some people when you tell them don't eat citrus fruits don't eat the citrus but they'll drink the juice <laughs> and the effect is the same why because those things will work against the effect of warfarin so you'll be taking the warfarin when you're taking warfarin there's something called INR that must be within a certain range you are taking the thing and the INR is not reaching the range it's because you are drinking orange juice somewhere you are drinking uh, what you grapefruit juice somewhere hallelujah that is the advantage of orthodox medicine over herbal medicine but it's not like herbal medicine doesn't work sometimes with herbal medicine the problem too is with the dosing They'll tell you calabash back home. Yes, drink whether you are a child or then, then, then. And most of you prepare it in a pot. If you, if you can put it on your mouth and drink, the more the better. And most of the time they are very bitter. So it's like if you can, you'll be drinking a thing like that. That, that is the advantage. Sometimes we have situations where the herbalists, hey, now herbalists request full blood count, they request all sorts of kidney function tests and things and people have brought all kinds of machines into the system i saw a patient some time ago and he brought printed results plain tells like, ah. every biochemical test like there were results there from liver function test calcium this that everything like that I was like, ah. who ordered all this and said he went to some herbal clinic and so they took all these samples he said oh there was some machine they just said he should put a stamp on it. When he put a stamp on it, all these results came. Your liver function, your kidney function, everything came. Big dossier. There was somebody too who called me say, hey, hey, she's dying, she's dying. What is it? She went to some place and they put her in a certain machine. She sat in a machine and they put her feet in water. And they pressed something and the water started like boiling. And then suddenly the water became dirty. They said, That is what is there. They said, Doctor, I'm dying. Do something for me. 
<laughs> anyway, let me not spoil some people's business. So we are on air. <laughs> but God is not against the taking of medicine. Hallelujah. He put the wisdom in the minds of the biochemists and the pharmacists and the pharmacologists and whoever to discover these things, including vaccines. Hallelujah. No, you think, you think Satan will, will want somebody to be vaccinated against a disease? He wants you sick. Why will he inspire somebody and give the person knowledge to be able to make a vaccine? It's not part of... His aim is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Making vaccines is not, is not part of... It doesn't fall in line with that agenda at all. Hallelujah. So God is not against the taking of medicines at all. I actually believe there is a synergistic effect of combining medicine and faith. I've seen a lot of people do better on certain drugs by combining the medications with prayer. At the same time too, I've seen some people who have gone the prayer way and God has healed them completely. I believe I've told you before. There was a woman we diagnosed in our department with stage 4 lymphoma. Stage 4 is the last stage. We diagnosed her with stage 4 lymphoma. The, 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 the tumor was already in her bone marrow. And when we told her, she said, oh, we are like, well, you are supposed to start treatment. She said, oh, this um, chemotherapy thing, don't you see the way my hair is nice? I don't want to lose it though. I don't want my skin color to change. So you, I'm going to talk to my God. That's what she said. You see, sometimes some people will be like, hey, those, 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 those. Me, I'm like, ah, if that is what the person's faith says, you allow. Allow. You can try and convince the person, oh, let's do both. But if that is how the person feels. She went and prayed. It's been several years after. There's no sign of the sickness in the woman. No, no sign. Zero. She just comes and her reviews are some of the shortest reviews. See, when you see her face, no, if I wish we even let her stop coming, <laughs> then we know that she has been healed. Hallelujah. Yeah, I, I've seen what prayer can do, especially when combined with medicine. There are people who are taking drugs for the same condition and it's not working. The drugs are not working. But others pray and add the medicine to it and it works. Amen. I want to show you something in 2 Kings chapter 20. 2 Kings chapter 20. Let's read from verse 1 to 7. This was prophet Isaiah and Hezekiah. I'm sure you know this story very well. Give me NLT. 2 Kings chapter 20. 1 to 7. 2 Kings chapter 20. Alright. It said about this time Hezekiah became deathly ill. That means he was terminally ill. He had one sickness or the other that the doctors and everybody said this one, you will die. And the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to visit him. He gave the king this message. He said, this is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order for you are going to die. You will not recover from this illness. Verse 2. When Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. And listen to the prayer he prayed. He said, remember, O Lord, how I have always been faithful to you. 
Look, sometimes your service to God is what will preserve your life. Hallelujah. Your relevance to the kingdom of God is what may preserve your life. That is why it's good to make yourself useful. If God should decide right now that the oxygen content of the atmosphere, he's reducing it from 20% to 19%. And that means some people will die. What is the reason why he must keep you, 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 you alive? What is the reason? You live just for yourself. The kingdom of God is not relevant in your life. You are all about what you will achieve in life. He said, I have been faithful to you and have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. Then he broke down and wept bitterly. This is somebody who has been giving bad news, poor prognosis. Like how when somebody said, you have a cancer. And most of the time they ask, so doctor, how long do I have? We black people, we don't answer those questions. So. That time I was in a conference and the, 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 the whites were asking, why is it that you, the Africans, you don't tell the patients the truth? Why is it that when you counsel them, you don't tell them that you have six months to leave? To them, here we believe in God. And the person will tell you, are you God to tell me that I have three months to live? I have six months to live. Doctors don't have the final say. Hallelujah. Doctors don't have the final say. No human being has the final say where your health matter is concerned. No human being. No lab report. No CT scan report has the final say. God has the final say. He said, but before Isaiah had left the middle of the courtyard, the power of prayer, the same man Isaiah serious major prophet the one god used to prophesy about the most important event in humanity which is the birth of jesus christ that means he's a trusted prophet a very sharp one as such before he left the courtyard this message came a counter message may the lord release a counter message May, may the Lord release a message that is contrary to what the doctors have said. May the Lord release a report. The Bible says, whose report shall you believe? Whose report shall you believe? This message came to him from the Lord. Verse 5. Go back to Hezekiah. Somebody, your doctor will come back with different news. Hallelujah. Your lab results will come back with different news. Your scan report will come back with different news. Opposite to what you were told before. He said, tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David says. I have heard your prayer. And I prophesied that God will hear somebody's prayer. That prayer you are praying for that friend of yours. That prayer you are praying for that father of yours. That prayer you are praying for yourself. That prayer you are praying for that mother of yours. That person who has received a bad medical report. I prophesy that God will hear your prayer. Because he hears such prayers. He has proved it in the past. He said, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. And three days from now, you will get out of bed. And go to the temple of the Lord. So somebody asks, why not now? But three days from now. Why not now? But two weeks from now. Why not now? But two years from the time I was given the diagnosis. It is all in the hands of God. Hallelujah. You think God couldn't have done it on that same day? No. I said three days from now. You can't question God though. <laughs> 
You see, that's why sometimes we have to be patient with God. I told you last week that God is not one to start something and not finish it. He's not like us that we eat and we leave half of the food in the kitchen. It's not like us that human beings that you start showing interest in a lady and you cool off after a while. When he starts something, he finishes it. And the Bible says, he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. Anything in your life that you have seen God start, anything in your life that you have evidence that this is the hand of God, God is not in the nature of starting something and stopping in the middle. He said, anybody who starts to plow and he looks back is not fit for the kingdom. And God is not, doesn't have that nature. When he starts something, he'll finish it. He'll finish it. He said, three days from now. He didn't say today. There were people in the New Testament who were healed there and there. There were people in the Old Testament who were healed there and there. But for Hezekiah, he said, three days. He said, I will add 15 years to your life and I will rescue you and this city from the king of Assyria. I will defend this city for my own honor and for the sake of my servant David. Hallelujah. For the sake of my servant David. Verse 7. Then Isaiah said, now look at this part. God has said in three days time. Look at what happened here. He said, make an ointment from figs. So I'm showing you combination of faith and medicine. Make an ointment from figs. So Hezekiah's servant spread the ointment over the boil and Hezekiah recovered. That means that ointment needed three days to work. Whatever medication you have been placed on, whatever prescription the doctors have given, may the breath of God may the life of God be breathed into those medications and in due time in God's own appointed time may you see the results and the healing thereof in the name of Jesus so it could have been there and there but the medication needed time to work I read about fake they said Hezekiah had a boil. Those days, boils could kill because there were no antibiotics. And you could have overwhelming sepsis, and it's the sepsis that will kill you. I read that fig leaves are actually used for skin conditions. There's an active ingredient in it that, that helps with skin conditions. And there is something in the fig leaves that also controls blood sugar. For you know, Hezekiah was a diabetic and he developed a boil, farankel, one of the complications of diabetes. The sugar needed to come down. Oh, put your hands together for the Lord. What a great physician our God is. Oh my. <laughs> he said, three days, you just, get, just give me three days. I will sort this one out. Yours, maybe you say a week, maybe you say a year, but as he has started, he will finish it. Hallelujah. Oh, I said, as he has started, he will finish it. He'll finish it. Doctors don't have the final say. No. There is a limitation. And when we get to the New Testament, I'll show you that there is a supernatural dimension. That one medicine doesn't even have anything to do about it. There's a supernatural dimension. 
it's important for us to understand that it gets to a point. You see, sometimes when we say this sickness is spiritual, people say, hey, you are being some way. There are sicknesses that are spiritual. There are sicknesses that are spiritual. And when we are done, we are going to enter some realms and deal with certain things. There are sicknesses that are spiritual. Let me show you something. Luke chapter 13. Let's read from verse 10 to verse 17. He said, Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. Verse 11. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could no ways raise herself up. If this woman walked into one of the consulting rooms in Kolibu Teaching Hospital, differential diagnosis of bent back, and you can't get up. We can get at least some two, three B. If you were a house officer and this patient were given unto you, you will clerk. Oh, history of presenting complaints. 18 years of having a bent back, probably with pain. Is the pain constant? Is the pain radiating anywhere? You assess and see whether it is nociceptive pain or neuropathic pain. You score the pain. Oh, on a scale of 0 to 10, where will you place the pain? Somebody was asked. He said, 12. I said, the word I'm feeling, hurry up and give me medicine. And stop asking me plenty questions. He said, 12 out of 10. An improper fraction. Oh, you clerk this patient nicely. What are some of the, the investigations you order? Yes, you start x-ray. Depending on the person's pocket. Pocketitis is also a disease. It complicates every other disease. It makes it difficult for you to treat them. Oh, you order an x-ray first. Lumbosacral x-ray. Want to see CT scan, spine, MRI. You order some biochemical tests and things like that. Sometimes the hospital they will add some to increase your bill, <laughs> especially in the private. As a full black on there, you will do malaria. You will test. I'm sure very soon they will add COVID. You cough not. Mm. <laughs> Go and do COVID. <laughs> oh, all the tests you do. And when you finish, you will give your differential diagnosis. Arthritis of the spine. Scoliosis, kyphosis, and every osis. But let's read on. <laughs> He said that when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loose from your infirmity. Verse 13. He said, And he laid his hands on her. Today God will touch somebody in this place. Today Jesus will lay his hands upon somebody. Today Jesus will lose somebody, somebody's relative, somebody's friend from an infirmity. He laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight. This was somebody who could not lift up her head. Sometimes there are things in our lives that make us unable to lift up our heads. But you will lift up your head again. Your life will, re will reverse to normal once again. 
verse 14. He said, But the ruler of the synagogue, hey, these people, troublemakers, answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. And look at the nice answer Jesus gave to him. Jesus, you don't go with him with certain kinds of things. The Lord then answered him and said, Hypocrite! Does not each one of you on the Sabbath lose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? Verse 16. It says, So ought not this woman being a daughter of Abraham. And that is the next one that I'm interested in. Whom Satan has bound. That means you, you are doing your clacking. You are giving your differential diagnosis. You are doing your investigations. But behind the scene, there is an entity called Satan who has bound this woman. Your drugs will not lose this woman. Your diagnosis or whatever you do will not lose her until a superior hand has come and taken that hand of the devil away from that patient. So those of you who are medics here, nurses, doctors, there are people we see, we give them nice diagnosis. Sometimes medical students say, oh, this is an interesting case. Somebody's sickness, oh, this is an interesting case, an instructive case. Hey, we have been insensitive before. Somebody is suffering, but they say, this is an interesting case. This is a nice case. Let's go and clock him. And let our lecturer come and teach us on this particular one. Well, the person is in bed suffering. May the Lord have mercy on you. You see, that is why God must, must put some healing power in your hands, you know. So that inadvertently, even when you don't intend to, just your touch on the patient will just cause spirits of infirmity to leave them. I'm told William Braham, those days, the man's healing anointing was so strong that he went to a fishing harbor. To go and buy fish and the fishes were lying there he saw one big one that was nice you know the thing we do is sometimes you touch the thing to try and see hey this is this, this, this one there way fine oh, let me give me this one it will be nice in the soup the moment he touched the fish the fish started moving came back to life he had to throw it back into the sea inadvertent ministration of healing just by touching your patient may some healing virtue be moved into that patient may a foul spirit of infirmity be dislodged from their lives by your touch he said art not this woman being a daughter of Abraham whom Satan has bound it was Satan that had bound her so there are sicknesses that have a spiritual dimension to them you see that is why Christian medics must have an advantage hallelujah must have an advantage. You don't only go there with your medical lenses, but with your spiritual scanning device as well. As some of the people, you see them and you feel something in your spirit that, no, I think aside giving the person the medicine, I must pray with the patient. I like doctors who pray with their patients. Pray with them. Because it may be Satan that has bound her or him. You will give your medications, do whatever you can. You will not get the results you are supposed to get until the hand of Satan has been forcefully removed. From that situation get into the habit of praying with your patients let me show you another example 
Mark chapter 9, 17 to 27. Mark chapter 9, 17 to 27. I'm just giving you two examples of sicknesses that had a spiritual dimension to them. He said, then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. Verse 18. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. You see, a mute spirit. That means the boy couldn't talk. And here we are told that when the thing comes, it seizes him. That means he begins to have a seizure, and he foams at the mouth. This one is a clear neurological diagnosis. So, a seizure disorder with complications, sensory complications. And this one, in quotes, they'll say, nice case, nice. You know, those are the cases when medical students get for exam. They say this one is credit and distinction kind of, because you feel you can put everything together nicely and score high marks. Foaming at the mouth, seizure. And he cannot talk. He says, so I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out. But they could not. Next verse. He answered him and said, Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Oh, today the Lord will, will tell somebody, Bring him to me. Bring that father of yours. Bring that mother of yours. Bring that friend of yours. He said, then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So the seizure started. So diazepam, uh, what are the other anti-convulsants? Um, pardon? Phenobab. Phenytoin. Phenytoin. Yes, phenytoin. And then the one that they, they give uh, orally sometimes, what's the name? Means hematological drugs are right too. I've forgotten all this. Carbamazepine. Uh-huh. But this one, there was no need for carbamazepine here. He said, so he asked his father, how long has this been happening? History of presenting complaint. <laughs> how long has this been happening? How long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. From childhood. Verse 22. He said, and often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. The Lord will help somebody. Verse 23. He said, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible unto him that believe. Oh, I pray that God will stir up somebody's faith today in the name of Jesus. Somebody's dying faith will be stirred up and resurrected by the power of the word today. Verse 24. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. This is one of my favorite portions of scripture. What a truthful man. A lot of us are there most of the time. He said, Lord, I believe. And you also said, Lord, help my unbelief. You believe, but your belief level, no. It, it, it doesn't reach where it must be. Verse 25. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Verse 26. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out of him and he became as one dead so that many said he is dead but he wasn't dead verse 27 
but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose today I pray in the name of Jesus that any sickness in anybody's life that has an evil spirit behind it any form of demonic influence we take authority over it in the mighty name of Jesus if it is a relative of yours a friend of yours we send a prayer to them wherever they are right now and we ask that the power of the Holy Spirit would dislodge the power of any sickness of any disease of any foul spirit of infirmity and bring healing to them wherever they are right now in the name of Jesus was an evil spirit that needed to be cast out that was not the only time Jesus cast out an evil spirit to bring about healing so that means there are some sicknesses that have evil spirits behind them and we need to cast the evil spirits out and today we are going to pray some prayers hallelujah we are going to send some fire in the spirit we are are going to release some angels in the spirit to visit some people some sick people that we know that may have evil spirits behind the sicknesses that they are suffering from and then in another dimension Jesus healed only after forgiving the people their sins that means the trigger that was needed for the healing was forgiveness of sin let's read Luke chapter 5 from verse 17 to 25 Luke chapter 5 verse 17 to 25 he said, now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come out of every town of Galilee, Judea and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Verse 18. Then behold, men brought on a bed a man who was paralyzed, whom they sought to bring in and lay before. Verse 19. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the mist before Jesus. Another version said they removed the tiles. Go to somebody and go and remove tiles. That is faith now. And he saw their faith. That means what they were doing, he didn't see it as illegal. Jesus had gone to hire somebody's house for a program. Like we've come to hire this place for a program. And somebody realizes that the crowd is so thick that entering through the right way will be a problem. So they climb and start creating a hole in the roof. Not bothering about whether those who are renting the place to us will get angry or not for them. It is the healing we are looking for and all the rest of the matters can be taken care of later. I'm just trying to bring home to you what really happened on that day. Jesus should have been angry with them that you have come to somebody's house to use the person's property to minister and you are coming to spoil my relationship with the person by coming to remove the house he said when he saw their faith so he interpreted it as faith sometimes you need to be crazy to catch God's attention hallelujah some people are too conservative some people are just too too nice sometimes you have to forget about the crowd forget about who is on your left who is on your right and pursue God and go for your healing he said when he saw their faith he said to him man your sins are forgiven you so this one he didn't go straight to say be healed he said your sins are forgiven you that means sometimes there are some sins that must be confessed and forgiven 
to open the way for healing. Hallelujah. Yeah. In fact, emotional sicknesses are more than physical sicknesses. As we sit here right now, we can't see a cripple here. We can't see a blind person here. Somebody is wearing dark glasses, but I know it's not. It's not. <laughs> I know it's not blind. <laughs> but I am sure there are a lot of people here who need emotional healing, emotionally hurt, emotionally down, all sorts of things. So when we talk about healing, we are not only talking about physical healing. Emotional healing is also there. Hallelujah. He said, your sins are forgiven you. Next. He said, and the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, say, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins by God alone? 22. But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered and said to them, why are you reasoning in your hearts? Verse 23. Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk? 24. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Hallelujah. The sin needed to be forgiven. The sin needed to be forgiven. So sometimes some confessions are needed. Some, 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 some things must be dealt with before the healing can take place. But to conclude, the Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and after death judgment. That means everybody has an appointment with death. Hallelujah. Everybody has an appointment. That scripture is talking about God's appointment. The appointment that is from God. But I want to show you another appointment with death that is different from the one from God. Psalm 79 verse 11. NKJV. Psalm 79 verse 11. And that will be our prayer point. It said, let the groaning of the prisoner come before you. According to the greatness of your power, preserve those who are appointed to die. That means this kind of appointment is not from God. The prayer is asking God to preserve those who are appointed to die. And the earlier scripture I quoted said, it is appointed unto man once to die. And after that, that one is the appointment that comes from God. But this one, they are saying God should preserve those who are appointed to die. That means there is an appointment with death that is not from God. Hallelujah. And today we are going to lift up our voices and pray against every appointment with death in our families, amongst our friends, in this church, wherever. That is not according to the will of God. Any appointment with death that is not in accordance with divine will or God's will. We are canceling it in the name of Jesus. I want us to stand to our feet right now and lift up our voices and begin to pray. Declare upon your life that you will not die before your time. Any form of appointment with death that is not from God. We cancel in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Prayer people. We cancel in the mighty name of Jesus. Lift up your voice and begin to pray right now. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Any appointment with premature death, any appointment with sickness, any appointment with death that is not from God. Cover your family members. 
Cover your friends. Cover the church members. Any form of appointment that is not from God, we cancel it in the name of Jesus. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Any appointment with sicknesses. Any appointment with wrong diagnosis. Any appointment that is not from God. We overturn it. We overrule it. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of the Living God. Any sicknesses, plants on the pits of hell, any infirmities, plants on the pits of hell, any diagnosis that are supposed to come to you as a surprise, we cancel it in the name of Jesus. We erase it in the name of Jesus. We overrule it in the name of Jesus. We superimpose the will of God alone upon the will of the devil, upon the will of principalities, upon the will of powers. We speak preservation for your life. You will not die before your time. You will live to proclaim the works of the Lord in the land of the living. Appointment with sicknesses. Appointment with evil diagnosis. We cancel in the name of Jesus. We abort any plan of the enemy that has already been set in your motion in your life. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, every appointment with wrong diagnosis, bad diagnosis, evil diagnosis, we cancel it in the name of Jesus. We cancel it in the name of Jesus. We declare according to the word of God that we shall not die but live to proclaim the words of the Lord. Intercede for your family members. Intercede for friends and relatives that are sick. Intercede for people you know who have been slapped with one diagnosis or the other. We enter the realm of the spirit. We take authority in the realm of the spirit. And we cancel every appointment with death. We cancel every appointment with infirmity. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Jehovah, let the power of the Lord, the blood of 
Jesus that brings deliverance. Let the power of Jesus that brings healing be sprinkled upon our friends, upon our relatives. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, we demand the diagnosis will change. We demand the law reports will change. We demand the stand reports will change. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, cancel that appointment with Stand in the authority in the name of Jesus. Set that person free. Set yourself free. Set yourself loose. Declare that the doctor doesn't have the final say. The law reports don't have the final say. Oh, the scan reports don't have the final say. Atlanta Casitaka. The specialist doesn't have the final say. They may declare their prognosis, but today we declare that we shall believe the report of the Lord. It is what the Lord has said that we shall believe. It is what the Lord has said that shall come to pass in the name of Jesus. Oh, we declare upon your life that we shall continue to defy medicine. We shall continue to defy the words of the doctors. Ah, that father of yours, that mother of yours, that friend of yours, oh, that, that relative of yours, that has received that diagnosis, we declare in the name of Jesus that the word of man is not final. Who has the final say? The final say belongs to Jehovah. The final say belongs to Jehovah Rapha. The final say belongs to El Elohim. The final say belongs to Jehovah El Kippur. The final say belongs to Jehovah Adoda. Our sovereign God. The one who rules in the affairs of men. Whose report shall we believe? We believe the report of the law. That says I shall take sickness from amongst you. I shall take infirmities away from you. He said the diseases that plague the people of Egypt shall not come upon you. In the name of Jesus, it is the report of the law. Who healed the cripples? It is the report of the law. Who opened the blind eyes? It is the report of the law. Who raised Tyrus' daughter from the dead? It is the report of the law. Who divided the Rassi into two? It is the report of the law. Who caused the deaf to hear, the tongue to speak, the lame to walk? It is his report that we choose to believe. Some trust in horses, others trust in chariots, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. And Takasota Batakanata, I know Setena Kadosa, Pantania Kantosema, Pantania Katosa. Oh, intercede for that person right now. Lift up your voice for that person right now. Lift up your voice and stand in the gap. May the Lord begin to send his ministering angels with the palm of Gilead in their hand into the homes of your friends, into the homes of your relatives, into the homes of your mothers, into the homes of your fathers. Whatever medications they are on, today we declare in the name of Jesus that the breath of God is coming upon those drugs. The breath of God is coming upon those injections. They are not the same again. 
they will take them and they shall have the desired effect in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth just as the fig tree brought healing unto Hezekiah we declare that the anti-hypertensives are working we declare that the anti-diabetic drugs are working we declare that anti-failure drugs are working we declare that the pain medication is working because the power of the Holy Ghost is being breathed. The power of the Holy Ghost is being injected. The power of the Holy Ghost is being incorporated in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Anybody who knows anybody whose drugs are not having the required effect today in the name of Jesus, speak to those drugs. Speak to those drugs. Command those drugs to begin to respond. Command those drugs to begin to respond. In the name of Jesus. Command that person's body. Command that person's liver. Command that person's brain. Command that person's heart. Command that person's skin to begin to respond to those drugs right now. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Oh, tell the Lord that you are ready for a mind-blowing testimony. Your heart is ready for a mind-blowing testimony. Your mind is ready for a mind-blowing testimony. In the fullness of time, we declare. In the fullness of time, we declare. In the fullness of time, we declare. In the fullness of time, we declare that the healing hand of God will be lifted and the Lord shall speak. And every other voice shall be silenced in the name of Jesus. We declare that every other name is fading away. We declare that cancer is fading away. We declare that arthritis is fading away. We declare that liver failure is fading away. We declare that heart failure is fading away. We declare that diabetes is fading away. Let all the other names fade away. Anything that has a name, fade away. Pale in comparison with the glory of the name of Jesus. The name that was mentioned every day shall bow. The name that was mentioned every time shall confess that indeed Jesus Christ is Lord. Today, miracle worker. 
to sing the song, claim a miracle for somebody. Claim a miracle for yourself. Claim a miracle for your relative. Claim a miracle for your brother. Claim a miracle for your friend. Is our changing God's will As he did it in the Old Testament, he did it in the New Testament. He will do it again in your life.
Overflow.